This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Tiger Talk with Pat Caputo and the radio voice of the Detroit Tigers, Dan Dickerson. This one is gone! On Tigers Radio, 97.1, the ticket. Two four eight five three nine ninety seven ninety seven is the phone number. Ticket text is at nine seven one three six. I would love to hear from you today. Double D is here. We got some baseball talk, Dan. It, you know, it had to get colder. Uh, couldn't be that day where it was raining and stuff. And like fifty had to be like uh, twenty degrees out because we're doing Tiger Talk. I know, and I just the only thing that's missing that good five six inches of snow. Well, it was just a just a kind of a dusting. <laughs> But, uh, you know, uh, the Tigers uh, offseason kind of rolls on. Uh, We talked a lot last week in our debut about uh, C.J. Crone and uh, Jonathan Scope and uh, all the different things that they're doing uh, to try to get better. Austin Romine, Uh, I did a little research on this, you know, a lot more on that I would expect no less. No, but, I mean, I really looked at detail. I looked at pitch framing stats for Romine. He's consistently above average, a little a little down last year, but still a plus. Yeah, it was kind of in the average to above average. Yep. Um, you know, his overall defensive metrics, uh, all those different things. Looked at grinders, uh, looked at, uh, you know, what Jake Rogers did when he was in the major leagues, all these different factors, and uh, just looked at Crone. But the one thing that I came up with, and, and you were not overly impressed by this, but I, I, to me, it was a stunning number because last week when we discussed this, it was like, okay, they need left-handed bats. And uh, Crone, uh, Scope, and uh, Romine, all right-handed hitters. And here's the thing. Last year, the Tigers amazingly only hit 31 home runs against uh, left-handed pitching. 31, which was nine fewer than the Marlins, who actually hit fewer home runs than the Tigers overall. But uh, you pointed out to me, and I thought it was a good point, is that the Tigers had so few uh, left-handed bats that they rarely saw, or right-handed bats. They, they were righty-loaded. Yeah, they so never they saw, lefty saw lefty pitch. So instead of like two-thirds of the time seeing left-handed pitching, uh, well, they the, saw it like four-fifths of the time. Or four-fifths righty, of the time righties, righty, yeah. yeah. The typical breakdown, I mean, yeah. it's it's usually right around 65 70% of your at-bats are going to be against righties. Right. It obviously varies... And Tigers are widely from team to team, right? And the Tigers had four times as many at bats against righties than lefties. That was a good point by you, but I still think it's a stunning number. And it's here's a stunning the thing. number, but you still need left-handed bats. Crone and Romine and Scope combined for 22 home runs against lefties, so at least there's some power. And the Tigers, they're they're. Now that you got basically just heard the news, uh, Brandon Dixon cleared waivers. He's on Toledo's roster now. He was their leading home run hitter last year. 
But none of the players on their current major league roster wearing the Tigers uniform hit more than a dozen home runs last year. The top one was Miggy with a dozen. So looking at it here, these guys double those numbers, you know. So they're they did in in, in terms of wins above replacement, uh, they're close to average major league regulars. You know, one point four, one point six. And at this point, it, it not to interrupt, but I mean sometimes. We talk about war a lot, wins above replacement. Sometimes, I mean, that's a little bit below. I mean, two is kind of where you Two is a major it. league average. Yeah, guy. that's a little bit better than that, really. Uh, but anyway, for this team, there's a lot of value in those bats beyond just a, a war of 1-4, 1-8, whatever it was. You know what the average major league batting average was last year? Well, it's been stuck right around 250. Did it, I forget if it sunk below 250. It was 253, uh, which Crone hit. Um, scope is at 256, uh, average OPS, uh, 750. Those guys were above that. Right. Uh, so, uh, looking at it, uh, they needed power. They got a little bit better than average major league regular. Going by my memory, I think every team, it's a dangerous thing sometimes, but going by my memory, I believe I looked up at the end of the year that every team had at least two 20 home run hitters last year, except for the Tigers who had, of course, zero. Right. So anything you do in the power department is much appreciated. Yeah. So and uh, the other thing too on Roma, in seventy-two games he had a zero point eight WAR. That's good. It's a cumulative total if you're good, you know. So uh, he did all right. Now his last two seasons all, all have been, and looking up his career, have been outliers. But anyway, two four eight five three nine ninety seven ninety seven. Uh, would love to hear from you uh, tonight. A couple things we're going to discuss today. First of all. You as a Tiger fan, what would be a reasonable expectation for progress in 2020? What would be progress for this team? I'm not talking about wins and losses. Ultimately, you know, you want to, they definitely have to do better than 47. That's just embarrassing. Uh, 47, 114 is just embarrassing. But I'm talking about like what would be legitimate progress for the organization where you know they've hit. You know, the bottom and they're starting to come upward. What would that be? Uh two four eight five three nine ninety seven ninety seven. Uh to me, Dan, it's about uh, three pitchers, uh Matt Manning, Casey Mize, and Tarek Skubal. Because I in my opinion, they're all high end prospects who have all uh, excelled at various points in double A ball at relatively young ages. And uh the other one is the players that they got in trades, Rogers. Cameron, uh, Dewal Lugo to a certain point. To a certain degree. Uh, what do they do ultimately so Tiger fans you know, can see some progress from some of the trade debt? Willie Castro. So when you say progress, what are you talking about? With Let's start with Mize, Manning, Scooble. All to the major leagues by when? Uh, this oh. summer. July, August. Yeah, I mean. It, Not it, September call-ups. Yeah, uh, to me, it's uh, they're pushing it like in May and June. They're forcing their they're forcing the forcing Tigers, the Tigers to make hand. a decision. Right, I agree that that represents absolutely progress. Dennis and I come on after the games. You know, you, you call the games, and you know, th- and that changes the feel of the entire organization. Absolutely, if those guys are at the major league level in June or July, and if they're lighting it up in AAA in uh, you know May. You know, the Tigers say they play a game and uh, we come on, you get you sign off after, you know, the scoreboard show or whatever, and yep. then, boom, we come on and uh, the first thing call we get is, where's Manning? You know, he, he threw seven shutout innings right. tonight. How come he's not here? Mize, 
Mize has got a, a 1.50 ERA. We want to see him. What's keeping him down? Pat, I'm mad at Al Avila for keeping, you know, <laughs> that type of thing. School ball, I haven't seen a lefty with stuff like that forever. He's dominating, striking out two hitters okay. per inning. Get him up here for crying out. What are they waiting for? All right, beyond those guys, I think that you touched on Rodgers, Cameron, Paredes. And then also, it seems like Scoobles a big surprise, right? Ninth round draft. <laughs> on me. Right? I mean, it's a huge surprise. Yeah. But it just seems like every once in a while, you should be able to be right. pleasantly surprised by a position player prospect who just has a breakout year that maybe you didn't see coming or maybe you'd kind of given up on him because it hadn't happened in the last two years. I'm talking about a Kristen Stewart. It's only had one year, and it wasn't awful. But what if, what if he just you know did the 25, 30 home run thing that he did in the minor leagues? In other words, is there that that to me is important this year that they have a surprise breakout season from a young hitter? I think Christian Stewart is capable of that. Uh, Willie Castro yeah, think, is I interesting think. to me. He's yeah. got tools. I don't know. I don't have a feel yet. But he's got tools. Definitely. He is fast down that first baseline. Just watching throw. him run. He can throw. He can throw, and it's it's just mechanics. I mean, Jamer Candelario, are we giving up on him yet, or does he still have the possibility of being a 260 hitter with 25 home runs? It's in there. I'm not sure it's ever we're ever going to see it again at the major league level. I don't know. But it just seems like the teams that are going to take big steps up, you need to be surprised by one position player, or let's be crazy and think maybe two either live up to previous expectations or of a breakout year that maybe you didn't see coming, like Tarek Skubal? Well, I'll say this. I, I thought, uh, and this is said not out of disrespect for Christian Stewart. It's said out of respect. I thought he was terrible last year uh, because I thought that he would be able to hit major league pitching. I think he's got exceptional power. And he showed very little of it in terms of home run production. He is capable, uh, based on what I had observed him as a minor league player, of hitting 30 home runs. He is not somebody – he's smart. You know, he's, he's experienced. He's older now. He's strong. You know, he's very strong. few guys who knows how to draw a walk. Yeah, he does have some <laughs> plate selection that he's shown. Uh, he he can't field. That's you know. Uh, that's a problem. You know that's I can a problem tell you right now. That's a problem for Ron Garden hiring his staff. So what he has to do is like really break. And but he, I <laughs> I thought he's capable of that. And uh, when I say that I thought he was terrible, it's based on well I thought he would I thought he might hit twenty five or thirty. He should have hit in that season. Uh, he should have hit twenty five or thirty home well, runs where everybody was hitting him. Yeah, he was, but he, you know, even before he got hurt, he had that series against Toronto. And he Toronto. did go down to the minor leagues when he was healthy. So. Yeah, you know, when he was in uh, that series in Toronto where he, you know, he bombed a ball or two after he got off to that slow mm -hmm. start and it made a difference for him. Um, you know, that was the Christian Stewart I thought would kind of, you know, in a year in which everybody hit 20 home runs, <laughs> that guy, given his power, Dan, when he hits it, it flies. You know, if you batting practice, these different things. I've seen him one-arm balls, you know, 400 feet on pulled pitches when he was at Toledo. In so Erie. you're not giving up on him yet? I wouldn't, but he, you know, there's a point where, you know, when you get to be 25 or 26, you know, you've got to do it. And, uh, you know, but it's entirely possible. I think you make a good point. I think it's entirely possible that Christian Stewart, uh, our view of him could be very different in July. He's capable of doing that. 
but he he was inferior. I thought he was terrible by, you know, what his ability is and how he's. This is like a dad talking. I'm I'm disappointed in you. Well, <laughs> you know, I, you watched him. You saw what his upside was, and you were. Just I think he does as a hitter. Disappointed. I think he does have upside as a hitter. Right. I, I do. I genuinely do. Yeah, but I saw none of it last year in in his major. I mean, he at bat after at bat. You watch every at bat doing what you do, but I watch an inordinate amount of at bats for somebody who doesn't have to do that every time. <laughs> and uh, watching Christian Stewart last year for me was frustrating because I know he's better than that. Or I projected him. You know, I think everybody did projected him as being better than that. Is oh, either. absolutely two four eight five three nine ninety seven ninety seven. What are your expectations for the Tigers, by the way. What represents progress? That's what, Pat's yes. question. I like that. And uh, coming up, 745 today, the newest Tiger shortstop, Nico Goodrum, will join us. You're listening to Tiger Talk, a 97 won the ticket. Tiger Talk with Pat Caputo and Dan Dickerson on Tigers Radio, 97 won the ticket. Waiting on the 3-2 here from Anaya on the way. Swinging a fly ball, center field, fairly deep. Going back, Canna onto the warning track, looking up, and it's gone! A home run! Kristen Stewart, lefty on lefty, hits number nine to straightaway center. Tigers are on the board, trailing 3-1. And that was one of the positives. That's Mr. good. Mr. Caputo. For Kristen Stewart. Well, that he, that he, did, he actually had probably some of his best at-bats against lefties. Yeah. I thought you know, that was a good sign. He looks like, like you mentioned, his patience, the, the, the combination of patience and power. You know, an idea about the strike zone. He's not one of those guys that's got to guess at everything. Uh, seems to have some pitch recognition ability. There's a lot to like of him as a hitter, but watching it last year, knowing that he's capable of doing more, I found yeah. to be frustrating. Just as a baseball fan or looking at it, right. observer, pundit. Whatever you want to refer to me as. Dan, you're on 97 All of the, the above. ticket. Guru, I think, really. Tiger cool. Talk. You're on. What's up, buddy? Hi, Dan. Hey, guys. How are everybody? Hey, good. Well, I want to talk about the Tiger outfield and the fact that we don't have a one, two, and three hitter. Cabrera has no business being in the three hole. It was, it was too many double plays. He's hitting everything up center. They should make him a pull hitter and let him hit whatever, how many home runs as he can. Why we didn't get Dickerson, and why did Dickerson go to Miami? That's a great question. Left? Every team should have Dickerson. Yeah, really. but we could have got him for that amount of money when we have no outfielders. And I'm going to tell you why we need Tweak. We have no superstar to come to the game. And if you if you put Tweak in right field, people are going to jump on that bandwagon. It'll bring a lot more. Give him a three-year 40 or a four-year 50. And I guarantee you, we can get him here. He'll love it in Detroit like he did in Cleveland. And I would also try to make a swap for Josh Hader. Uh, Jimenez with a four-point earn-run average plus. We really don't have a closer. We should have signed Shisek yesterday. And that didn't happen. It's okay. But I'm giving you a couple viewpoints that I study this all day long. And bringing Hader, here's what I would give up for Hader. Paradas, Rogers. Burroughs, and Alexander, and I think it could get it done. Because only one of those players is going to be a major league player. We got all these bushers. We had five guys last year that had a 230 to 290 OBP. And, and you want to tell me we got competition at these spots? Of what? That's, why, that's my only question. You could feel this. Sign Alex Fiedo, and here would be the best story you could ever bring. 
make a trade for Caleb Smith and John Birdie of Miami. John Birdie's from Troy, 276, 348 OBP, 17 stolen bases and 300 at bats. He could lead off and hit and have a, you know, and, 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 and have like 350 OBP. And we, we'd have eight of nine slots with balanced lineup, and Gardenhire is an expert on balanced lineups. Now you've got him with all these bushers. What is he supposed to do with them? Well, I think there's uh Dan, I think we should put you in touch with Alavila. Yeah. I mean, uh those are <laughs> I'm glad you uh spend time doing that. Uh it makes me feel good. You bring here's but here's my starting rotation. I don't rotation. agree with all that, but that's, you know. Well, cool. say we trade for Callis Smith and sign Wood. Now you got bring up Mize cuz he's the best control pitcher of all the guys like Fiedo and whatever. And I study this profusely. I wake up every morning grab a glass of wine when I sit on the can and do this. I mean, this is all I do. And, I, I mean, we could have Wood, Mize, Godley at a 5 and hopefully he resurrects, um, Caleb Smith, and Boyd. And you could give me four, four or five, 500 pitchers, give me, and trade for Hader, which what, what I would do, and I would assign Schiffack. I would have re, re-signed Alcantara. Cisnero, I would put Norris to the pin because he never seems to pitch five innings. He can do two or three, and I think he'd be a stud. And and I heard, I I think that um, um, that you, it was mentioned the other day he should go to the pen, and and I think we could we could really we could have a shot for our division, and it's not that far away if we just made four little choices, but they're not being done. And a Dickerson and Puig and left and right would have really rocked us out with adding Romine, who was a balanced catching hitter, and bringing Cron and Shope to the plate, we would have had a really well-balanced lineup, plus adding Puig and John Birdie okay. from... Okay, I've had enough. <laughs> he was on a roll. He did paint a, a vivid picture there about how his day starts. Yeah, it was a little bit too much for me, and uh, a little bit too much of, like, you, you know, because I can see through that a little bit. Not quite uh, sure why Milwaukee, knowing that three of the four guys they're getting won't ever be major leaguers, would trade Josh Hader. But just a little nitpicking. There. Yeah, and if you put a Hader, you know, if you gave, uh, you look, I don't know if the, that. First of all, that's true. Okay, you got to understand about minor league prospects; uh, they're like stocks; they go up and down. All right. So uh, today's guy that uh, is like uh, at the top, he might be at the bottom. You know, tomorrow. Uh, and then he can have a comeback, and he will be completely different. And the classic example of it is Bo Burrows. Uh, Bo Burrows still has a lot of potential, right. but his trade value right now is probably near zero. But Bo, right? but Bo Burrows, the Tigers have looked at Bo Burrows. He got hurt last year. He started out okay. Came back, he had nothing. He was completely confused. And so all of a sudden, Bo Burrows at like twenty two or twenty three or whatever. Well, let's write him off. He stinks. Well, the Tigers are they're going to make Bo Burrows a bullpen piece because they see, you know, he's got a real good fastball, his high spin rate, uh, and what they're going to do is have him go short bursts. And, uh, you know, he's somebody that in July he could have a completely different view of. And if Tarek Skubal, who everybody's flavor of the day, gets off to a slow start, you know, then it'll be like, oh, he's really not that good and he's a bust. Mize is a classic example of somebody that went up and down. 
you know, when you're talking about Casey Mize, the way he's talking about Casey Mize, I can tell that he hasn't looked at how they're looking at Casey Mize for the reality of what Casey Mize is. He got hurt last year. Two of his last four starts, he only lasted like two-thirds of an inning. And, uh, you know, there's some issues with his health. And should he throw split finger pitch? Should he work on a change? All those different things. Casey Mize is far from a finished product right now. He is. I mean, he just is. I mean, he could, he's the type of kid who can bring it together very quickly. But he's, you know, and if you're talking about somebody that could be like lightning in a bottle sooner than anybody else, it's Matt Manny. So he, he's right now further along than Casey Mize is at a year younger. But that could be completely flipped in May the way things go in baseball. No, I'd still love to hear from fans what they think about your question. What represents progress? Two four eight five three nine. Question of the night for twenty twenty Tigers as an organization, yeah. not just the, the major league team, but as an organization. Two four eight five three nine ninety seven ninety seven. Uh, Pete, you're on Tiger Talk. Ninety seven won the ticket. What's up? How you guys doing? Good. Good. How are you? Good. Good. I got a question for uh, either one of y'all or both, and really two questions. The first one is with the minor leagues, what the commissioner trying to do. Yeah. Uh, what do you think about that? Is it with baseball attendance going down, ratings going down? Do you see that as necessary and, and something that would help along the lines with the attendance and all that? That cutting back on the minor leagues. No, that's my short answer. No, <laughs> no, I don't. I don't, I think don't like so what, what the league is doing in minor leagues, especially to franchises like Erie, Erie which yeah. spent a lot of money, public money, doing what. Major League Baseball wanted, which was to fix up their ballpark and beef up their operations, and they did. Mm-hmm. can't remember the exact figure, but it, I want to say, Pat, it was over $10 million. Yeah. And now they're being told they may be uh, eliminated. Eliminated. That, that's unbelievable to me, and it's just that's not right. There's a couple things there uh, that they need to look at, uh, Pete, and uh, I'll tell you what coming up next. There's one thing in particular that I really think affects the Tigers, and I don't know what the answer is. Uh, when it comes down to it, but I'll tell you what it is uh, coming up next. Two four eight five three nine ninety seven ninety seven. Nico Goodrum, new Tiger shortstop. He's going to get the first shot at it uh, this coming season. Uh, he'll join us at seven forty five. This is ninety seven one. The ticket. Fly ball right field deep. Going back, Judge. This one's got a chance. Gone. Dowell Lugo opposite field. Two out, two run home run. What a big hit for the Tigers. They've cut the Yankees' lead to 4-2 to two here in the fifth. 248-539-9797. Uh, you know, I don't know how it's going to shake out with Erie and all those things. Uh, one of the issues, uh, you know, for the Tigers they've had down through the years is their double-A franchise. And Erie's provided some stability for them. It's not that far from Detroit as, you know, some other things. London... When they were there, it's a nice city in its heart. You know, uh, people are used to it maybe coming here, but it was so far off the beaten path uh, in the Eastern League. And uh, Grand Rapids should actually be the double-A franchise, but there's no double-A, you know, uh, situation that's remotely close to them. The travel would be untenable. Yeah, so, you know, they're in a a spot there. And one thing, it's it's always – it's something that – I think uh, hurts player development is, and I understand exactly why the Tigers have their uh, high A level team there. It always will. It's Lakeland because you go from playing in Grand Rapids, 
which, you know, has pretty good-sized crowds. Uh, there's a lot of enthusiasm for the Whitecaps game. And you get promoted to Lakeland, and it's like getting promoted to, like, four or 500 people at the game. Well, and I think that's generous. Yeah, that is generous, actually, <laughs> having really been to those games. Crowds. There's nothing like going to the Legends Field and watching the over in Tampa, that big stadium. It's actually like a stadium. You know, and, and seeing well, that. Same as same with Lakeland. Yeah. They're, they're all pretty similar. You know, and you sit there and you watch it and you're like, wow. And it's so hot and humid. It a, rains every day at three o'clock. Impressive. Impre- you sit out there and you sweat. If you if you go to the golf roast league game, which they play at high noon, <laughs> you basically just sit there and sweat. That's not an exaggeration. And it you know, it's 90, 90 degrees with ninety five percent humidity. Move Florida? You can't. You can't do it. Okay. Okay, but I'm telling you, it hurts player development. And you get misleading stats. Like, you know, well, Casey, the pitchers lead, there's no question. Yeah, the ballparks are bigger because Major League Spring deser- Training. Right, right. You told me the air, you know, humid air does things. But if you can feel the air there, and there's not, you know, the it power numbers. your energy. I you mean, know, if you're playing in that day after day, it has to. It's unbelievable. So, you know, I don't know if people know what that's like. But for those kids, you know, and, and baseball people have this view. They've always had this view about it. It's like, well, baseball is a grind, and that's part of it. You know, that's why you go down and you play in Latin America in the winter. So, you you know, okay, I understand. I get that part of it. But I think to a large degree, it hurts development. You know, and you go from, you know, say you go from a quaint ballpark, you know, like in Connecticut to – Actually, what is a double A size city in Grand Rapids with double A type atmosphere mm-hmm. almost, and it could easily be sure. And then you go to Lakeland, and all of a sudden it's like, I mean, it's, it's got to be a shock. It's a it's you're it's, going from four or five thousand fans a game, y- yes, at low A ball, quote unquote, <laughs> to fifty. Sometimes it's fifty. It's it's a tiny if you number. Took, it's if families. you took if you took the scouts it's out, families and scouts and scouts. <laughs> It's what it is. I mean, it's you know, and in the I, I saw. Can I can I just make a point about the idea of cutting minor leagues? And we're not talking about relocation, by the right. way. We're talking about major league wants to cut the number of minor league teams from one sixty to one twenty. I I just think it's so short sighted in so many ways. I read something this week that I thought was interesting. So it really studies how you build fans and right. fan bases. One of the things that determines whether you become a baseball fan is the age at which you attend your first game, minor league or major league. Right. And the younger you are, five, six, seven-year-olds, and they go to their first game at five, six, seven, the chances that they're going to become a hardcore baseball fan rocket. I forget the exact number, but it was quite stark. Right. And it includes minor leagues. Right. So now you're going to cut 40 teams, and you're going to potentially lose Future fans because they don't have that chance I think to go you to lose, a game. And, uh, future players, because, you lose future players because I think that the love of the game, and they're, unfortunately, it's not it's not an urban game now. It used to be an urban game in our country, and uh, a lot of those towns. But you're absolutely losing players. You're right. They kids start at that age, and that's where a core of uh, American baseball right now for top players is in that type of uh, environment. You know, it's California, Texas, and, well, Texas has got a lot of minor leagues in it and across the country. You know, classic example, we talked about Michael Fulmer last year, Oklahoma. 
you know, they're, that's a state that produced in, in that one year, Bundy, Archie Bradley, and uh, uh, Michael Fulmer in the first two rounds of the draft has prolific college baseball programs. And uh, so baseball, people will talk about it just in the uh, aura of major leagues. They miss the point of the game at the grassroots level, and mm-hmm. you're absolutely right about that. I agree with you a thousand percent. It just it. seems like they're nickel and diming, and I, I understand there are costs involved, and I get it that it's, but you know what? You want to attract the best young athletes to your sport? I think you, you beef up minor league salaries. You beef up minor league facilities. I don't think you cut. But And I, the other thing, too, is I think they have to, a few million dollars, okay, which is... Uh, in, a, in a sport that's approaching $11 billion in revenues. Uh, yeah, 10.6, last I looked. is uh, And I'll you know, give you an idea, the NFL, as big as it is, is $16 billion. So you're talking about it's not that much smaller. You know, it's got a large revenue base. You will give two or three million dollars to a utility player. If you give two or three million dollars to an urban area to develop baseball, you it's gonna do you more good. And they haven't thought outside it, that right. box. It grows your sport. But Rob Manford says if they got a ten second clock, it'll help. <laughs> you know, I mean that's the type of stuff that drives me nuts. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> put a pitch clock up there and it'll save the game. If you knock 10 minutes off the game, people will watch more. You know, the games are actually 15 minutes longer than they were in 1960 if you take when out you, the extra inning for breaks, of uh, commercial breaks. Right. When you when you pointed that out, I don't think anybody would have realized that, but you, you went back and looked, and I'd, I'd look too, but I, you went back a little further than I did. I went back to when they actually had it in some chart that I saw, maybe on baseball references. It was like 1960, right? It was 1960. Uh, the games, If you, there's one minute extra in between innings. I know that from so, the time that I covered it. So that's 17 or 18 extra minutes. Yeah, so right? in actuality, the games are like a dozen minutes longer. And that's going to keep the millennials from watching the game. <laughs> you know, or, you know, the, how do you define action in baseball, you know? And uh, did, uh, Trevor Bauer, I heard him interviewed. And he's gone from being like, hey, this guy's a nutbag, to now, hey, he's on his own radio show. <laughs> because since the making of the MVP book came out or whatever, and, you know, since he's had success. But he said something that was interesting, and I always appreciate this about you. This doesn't define you. But announcers, the announcers who announce the game, okay, you have great influence on the game. And – you know, if the, this would be my suggestion to Kirk or Jack Morris or Peaches. Peaches knows because his kid is a baseball coach at St. Mary's, a Dan Petrie, and he helps coach the team. So he knows all about Rapsetto and all that stuff. He works with younger pitchers. But quit talking so much about what's wrong with the game. Because right. you watch the – not so much here in Detroit, but you watch the Fox coverage of the postseason – you know, when they get their experts up there talking before the game, they're always lamenting about how good the game used to be, kind of mocking the way the game's played now. Quit talking about a 21-year-old now. Tom looks Verducci's at a been lot. on this for a few years. And don't get me wrong, I like Tom Verducci, but he's been on this for a few years. And I saw a good piece this year. It's like, why don't you talk about all the things that are going on in between the action? All the strategy that there Bob is. Bob Nightingale's another all the one. Things, all the things that you can talk about that these players are doing right now. Every time that I look guy up, at first base, what's he looking for? As he's trying to steal second base, what's that first baseman doing? What's he? I mean, there's so many things that you can talk about. 
Well, there's a zillion and one things with the technology. Right. There's the, you know, these things add interest to the game. You know, I, my suggestion in Fox Sports, you know, look, man, I want to see more of the StatCast TrackMan technology. Things that actually matter. If a ball goes up in the air and a guy doesn't catch it, and it looks like it's a question, they should have immediately what that catch probability was. Immediately. Because yeah. they have access to that. Things like that. Talk about, like, you know, and then people will have more interest in it. You know, but instead of like this, like, oh, yeah, you know, let's lay down a bunt or something. You know, does anybody really that are is doing this, talking about that, know what the bunt probability are, that your, your, your chance of scoring a run, the probability goes down 17%? After a successful bunt. Yeah, and, and that 98% of the time in the major leagues, they just throw the guy out at first base? <laughs> uh, do they know that? You know, I mean, it's like, you know, these are simple things that everybody in the game should know and know about that watches it. But, I mean, it's a debatable subject. I mean, the bunt's not going away forever, but it's obviously being used a lot less. But when is the right time to use it? Again, these are interesting topics because managers still believe who's coming up matters. What are well, the odds yeah, of getting two hits to get that guy home from first versus one? Right. So the, the run probability may have dropped, but with your lineup and the guys who are coming up, you just increased it. And, you know, the book... In uh, your view. Making of the MVP, okay? Far more pertinent about what's going on in the game than Moneyball ever was. The only difference is they haven't made a movie about it. And Michael Lewis was a compelling writer. Where these guys write about just the facts of what's going on. The the book is just excellent. I, I the shift is another highly book. enough to anybody. You know, read the book, The Shift. Read it. You know, and then you'll you'll view the game in a completely different manner. It's just two books. Just do that for me. <laughs> no, do it. Just do it for me, and then come back to me and t- you know. Tell me pitch tunnels Orwellian. Thank you. <laughs> you use that word like several times. Well, it's because I'm getting sick of every time I say it, people look at me like I'm George Orwell. <laughs> 248-539-9797. By the way, his book was what, 1984? That was a long time ago. 97 won the ticket. Tiger Talk with Pat Caputo and Dan Dickerson on Tigers Radio. 97-1, the ticket. The windup, the 2-2, swing and a miss, and Boyd just struck out the side. What a bounce back. He just retired seven in a row. It, didn't he? Seven in a row. His Man. 11th strikeout ends the top of the seventh inning. That was Double D, Dan Dickerson, uh, talking about Matthew Boyd. Matthew Boyd's an example of a player who's taken advantage of the uh, what the game is today. You know, absolutely. He's uh, he's from that area of the country where driveline baseball is. You can't tell me he doesn't know everything about that. He definitely does. You can see the way he approaches. And I still think his it was a season full of improvements. And I know people always point to the second half ERA, but I will say he allowed 39 home runs, and it's definitely next year. Things I have to believe things are going to be different. In a normal year, that's not 39 home runs. I mean, let's face it; it was kind of a joke this year. How many home runs were hit? Yeah. And, you know, when things change, I think Matthew Boyd, people say, well, it's 450 area. No, he was a better pitcher this year. Lots more swings and misses. Way Much more. higher strikeout rate. Right. This is a really good pitcher. And I think when the ball calms down a little bit, those 39 home runs drop to below 30, you're looking at, a, at an ace. I think he's, you know, I, I, we've gone back and forth on him in the past, but uh, I think he may very well be right on that. I'm, I think Matthew Boyd is really, really good. I would never sell him short. But anyway, coming up next, a guy that's joining us. Uh, he's going to get shot at shortstop this year. 
uh, played pretty well there defensively. Uh, has played pretty well at, at whatever position, and he's been a pretty solid hitter for the Tigers. And they does have some growth. Uh, that's uh, Nico Goodrum. What's up, Nico? Hey, how you doing? Good, Nico. Good. How are you? Good, good. So, uh, you know, this is the big offseason uh, uh, thing. The Tigers have basically let the world know uh, that you're going to get first shot at shortstop. I would imagine you're uh, pretty excited about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, a lot of people didn't know that, you know, I played shortstop, and that was where I got drafted at. And uh, my first five years, I played short. Um, so I don't think a lot of people knew that, um, that that's my um, primary position. And I broke into the league as a utility, but uh, short is, you know, what I played all my life. So uh, it's pretty exciting. You got a chance to move back to shortstop, really, this year, you only played 10 games there, started 10 games in 2018, but 37 with the injury to Jordy Mercer, and just uh, they were looking for stability there. And it seemed like you really did provide that stability. I, I mean, you impressed, Nico, in those 37 games. Just tell us, uh, how did it feel to be back there? I mean, it just it seemed like you were home. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. Um, it's fun. Like I, I tell anyone that asks about the position, it's, it's a fun position because you can show your range off. Uh, you can show your arm off. Uh, the double plays, the communication between all the infielders, the uh, relationship uh, you build to second baseman. Um, so it's a lot going on, and you're in control, and um, you can read the ball well. And it's just a fun position. You have so many different plays, the backhand coming in on the ball, going back in the outfield on one. So um, it's just a lot of things you can uh, you can do at shortstop. You mentioned the word communication. You're you're after your manager's heart with a word like that. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, guard like guard don't like that. <laughs> I know he, he preached that just a little bit. But can you just describe? I mean, Guardy was out there so many days this year working with infielders. It's his specialty. It's what he loves. Uh, just kind of give a feel, fans a feel for for what he provides when he when he talks infield with you guys and some of the things that he wants the infield to do better because I mean with you at short and and scope at second base, this is gonna be a better infield this year. Yeah, um Guardi just basically um says get you know, get one out and that's your your focus. Um first catch the ball, next throw the ball, um and just make the play. Uh the one you're supposed to make and then the tremendous ones will come but basically um his main thing is just you just get an out and that's even with the double plays, get that first out. The second will be a you know a bonus. So um, just doing doing the the routine things um, and, and not overdoing it and trying to make something that is not. Um, because that's where your your um, mistakes start come come again when you're trying to do too much. So I'm um, just keeping it simple and, and getting out is pretty much what Gary does. And he takes the time with uh, with us as infielders. Uh, he loves it. Um, any position you're at, so Gary helps out uh, first, second, short, third, anything you can think of. Um, he's out there on the field um, being hands-on, so it's, it's, a, it's a good time. You know, uh, the fact that you're uh, so versatile and play multiple positions and are a very uh, good athlete and fundamentally sound pretty much where you play, Nico, uh, probably helped you stay in the major leagues when you first got your shot with the Tigers. Uh, yet at the same time, they start to say you're a utility player. And I've talked to players in the past sometimes, and they say you're a utility player. They kind of they kind of frown their face. They don't like the label. Uh, how have you, uh, you know, put that into your mind? And I would imagine the fact that yeah, they're looking at you as more than a utility player has to be uh, something that you're pretty encouraged about. Oh uh, yeah, you know, getting to play uh, a position, you know, one position, and um, you know, them saying, you know, is is this position or or whatever they choose is um, definitely a, a plus size 
um, being doing the super utility is um, it's a lot if no one knew. It's, that's you know, you, you, you <laughs> how many gloves do you to, have? <laughs> I have the crazy thing is I just I literally today got in uh, in the mail eight gloves. So um, <laughs> there, I, and I had another order before four different ones. So I have so many gloves I can choose from and pick off of. But uh, it feels good to be able to pick one, um, you know, this year. But uh, back to the the super utility is it's just. Uh, it's a tough thing to do. Um, it's a lot of preparation. Um, there's different, you know, you have to do the different throws. So maybe you play third one day, and now you're you're at second the next one, and then you're out in right field, and all three of those are different different arm angles. Um, so just that alone is a is getting that you know your early work in. Um, there's a different hops, <clears throat> different hops at third base than it is at second. The, you change the whole field around, and that's so. Just doing that all year, uh, different position every day, um, you know. Then going into hit, it's, it's a it's it's a lot of work. Uh, so yeah, if no one knew, the super utility role is nothing to, to frown your face on. <laughs> it's just it's it's actually um, you know a challenge to go in every day not knowing uh, exactly what position you're going to play. But as a super utility, you know that you will be playing every day. Um, so you just get your mind right to, um, you know, when it's time to get in that box, you, you bang, and then uh, whatever position Cardi puts you at, you go out there and get your early work in, uh, read your fly balls, or get your ground balls, and then, um, you know, do your thing. Were you disappointed you could never, uh, you never get a shot to catch? I'm I'm not going to use this word disappointed. Uh, I'm not, I wouldn't use that word for it. Uh, I remember Don Kelly got a chance to catch once. He caught two or three innings, and he couldn't walk for a couple of days. Yeah, Gardy was just he was just looking out for my knees. That's all that was. So uh, I'm not going to say I was disappointed. You know, uh, one of the things uh, as a hitter, you know, this is about the age you're moving into, where you're kind of in the prime of your prime, and you've been in the major leagues for a couple of years now. But how different is it now, Nico? You know, preparing in the off season, and even when you broke into baseball with all the, you know, the technology and different things. How do you prepare differently in the off season, maybe than what you did when you were younger? Well, I, I know the biggest thing is, um, as you get older, you start to um, know in your mind a player that that you are, um, the player that you you're striving to be, and then you get set in knowing how you're going to achieve that, and you're not letting um, outside influences into your mind. You're able to pick and choose what helps you um, and not try to take in everything in your mind that everyone's telling you and then try to, you know, right. do everything. And so that's when you're pretty much spinning your wheels at that point. You're not, um, you know, making any movement forward. So, um, like I said, as you get older, you start to be able to <clears throat> know what you want to do, know what you want to achieve, know how to work smarter, um, and then you get more done. And the quality, you understand quality over quantity. Yeah. Um, you, know, you don't have to take as many swings. You know what you're doing. You go in there and achieve it, and some days are better than others, but um, you're just able to pick and know what you want to work on. And then from there, you take that into the season and team up with your hitting, co- your hitting coaches, and y'all come up with the best plan. And, um, you know, you go from there. But um, as you get, you know, your years in in the big league level, you start to get, you know, more confident, comfortable, and um, you start to understand what you can do. and um, you know, you just take it from there. Nico, I want to really ask you quickly about uh, a guy that you had some fun with over the holidays. First of all, you and Jacoby Jones, the uh, <laughs> the, the holiday oh, games competition went right down to the wire, by the way. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to ask about you blew a 2-0 lead and it ended up 3-2 Jacoby. But <laughs> yeah, we'll skip that. Yeah. But it, uh, he he's a good friend. He had a terrific year two years ago defensively. Much improved offensively this year. The defensive numbers were down. But, you know, we talk about all the different pieces. If if this happens this year, things could be a lot better. But if Jacoby Jones gets back defensively to what he was in 2018, just describe what you see as a teammate of what the upside of this guy is. Because to me, outside of maybe catcher, middle infield, I mean, short center field at Comerica Park is the most important position because of the acreage out there. Yeah. Um, like you guys know that I played out there, um, before too. So I, I can understand how, you know, how much room is out there. So, um, I think that has to go into play when guys are, guys keep saying, you know, Jacoby fell down. It's like, no, I, I, I play, you know, I'm out there every game with him. Um, so I know the difficulty of covering Comerica and that's in feeling the balls you have to get to. And then you talk about, you know, the shifts. So I feel that a lot of the shifts, that we do or, you know, that's, that's major league baseball has become and, and ship. Um, sometimes that doesn't work out and it seems as if he should have got to a ball that he couldn't have, but we have to go back to, you know, he was shifted into a, another thing. So I think a lot of stuff has to go into that. Um, but he's tremendous to me. He's tremendous out there. He, he goes and anyone that can rob a home run, mm. go up in a wall and bring back home runs. <laughs> that's catch that's of the one, year. You know, wasn't it? <laughs> You're a top defender. Yeah. There's nothing else anyone. I, I don't think any numbers need to to prove that because <laughs> I I've played out there and I have yet to to go up a wall and you know rob a home run. So yeah. adding that into um, you know doing that that's saving runs and um, you know I'm, I I applaud Jacoby. You know he he, he goes against balls. He he makes plays, diving plays, robbing home runs. So um, people don't really understand until they act, they are actually in center field playing in Comerica exactly how how much how much ground it is to cover out there. So, um, you know, I'm excited, you know, for Jacoby, uh, especially since you know that hidden came that hidden started, man, and yeah, um, and then that injury happened, which was you know a downer for us. Um, but I know he's gonna come back, you know, ready more ready than ever. So uh, I'm excited to see see what he does this year. Nico, we appreciate the time. Good luck in the coming season. I appreciate it. Thanks, Nico. We'll see you in a few weeks. That's no uh, Nico Goodrum. Coming up next, Pistons tonight with Chris Pilar. And uh Pilar. And uh I'm coming up with Inside Hockey Town. Uh that's coming up at uh What a Icon. night. Yeah, a lot of specialty shows. Talk so, to you next week, Pat. Nine, yeah, ninety seven won the ticket. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? 
Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 